Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Skull King Fantasy Football Podcast, presented by Vox DFS Firelines. Now, here are your hosts, Justin. Stefan Gilmore go to the Patriots. Now they let Mike Gillisley go to the Patriots. Are they now just the farm club within their own division? Greg. He's one of these faux leading women. It's like, that's not Angelina Jolie or Jennifer Aniston. It's some girl that I would see at the Circle K. That's kind of Alshon Jeffrey. And Ryan. There is absolutely no reason why O.J. Howard should be drafted before Cameron Brait. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Skull King Fantasy Football Podcast. Week 12 is almost done with the Monday night matchup still to go. Hopefully, you guys had a great week. Uh, once again, before we get into the episode and covering the Kings and Stings this week, as well as doing a recap of what has happened so far this week, uh, we want to remind you to go to Skull King Football giveaway tab in order to enter in for the giveaway. We also want to read off a couple of ratings that have come in through the podcast. So I'm going to have Ryan uh, read those off here real quick. All right. So pulling these up, uh, our last two, we've got one from uh, Brendy Bear. It's a four-star review, not a five, but we'll take it. We'll take it. It says, uh, the hosts give great information about recent waiver wire options you need to pick up, players need to drop, and insight into player potential. Some of the things they've said I have done, and it's worked out great for my team. Great podcast. We also have another, uh, another five-star review from uh, NFL Breakdown. Uh, the, the, and this is the actual – I'm not making this up, folks. This is what it actually says. Greatest podcast ever. We appreciate that NFL breakdown. Covers everything you need to know to win your league. So there's our there's our two latest reviews we have on on iTunes. Yeah, well, thank you for for the reading of those reviews. Once again, uh, we're going to get into the news and notes. Not a lot to cover outside of general scores. A lot of this stuff is covered tomorrow, but we do want to uh, touch on a couple of things. First and foremost, the ejection of Akib Talib and Michael Crabtree. Um, realistically, this is, this is bad blood that stemmed from last season. Um, I think both of these players should serve an additional game suspension based off of what I saw through that whole tussle. Um, they started a fight, then kind of wandered to the end zone and then started to swing at each other again. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that whole hoopla? Ugh, that they're both idiots. Um, yeah, I think that they'll both get ejected, or they'll both, uh, they should both get an extra game suspension for, for this garbage. Um, you know, I understand that it gets intense on the field, but just, I mean, all out, I mean, they were all out punching each other, ripping, I mean, at one point, Crabtree had his helmet off. They were both throwing punches at each other. It was just, I mean, it's, 
It was stupidity. It, it, it felt like the, uh, the drop the puck fight at hockey. Yeah. Where before the game starts, <laughs> you just know these two are going to be pissed at each other. They drop the puck and then they just start swinging. So uh, it was away from the play, Crabtree um, blocks very, very well, and then gets heated after that. But um, unfortunate for those of you who had Crabtree in your lineup, which we'll talk about uh, here in a little bit. Um, Garoppolo played against the uh, Seattle Seahawks with only about a minute left in the game after Bethard left uh, with an ankle injury. Bethard is okay, but do you see Garoppolo starting next week? And he sees someone to potentially touch on in a two-quarterback league based off of what you saw late in that game. Well, yeah, he only played, you know, was it just the one series or was it two series? It was one series. It was a minute left. Yeah, a minute left. He comes in and a touchdown. To, yeah. I mean, real quick, uh, he, he showed poise in the pocket. Now, one thing I will say, the, the Seahawks already had the game wrapped up, so it wasn't like they were absolutely trying to you know do their best to, to take him out. The touchdown didn't do anything either in the outcome of the game. No, not, not in the slightest bit. So, um, I think overall... Um, I think that he he has shown that he can get some things done. Um, he is he's he is definitely a very interesting target for um, for a two quarterback league right now. Yeah, I would say so too. Um, because there's not a lot of other options. I would look at adding him. I, I don't know whether or not I would start him. I have to double check who they're playing next week. Um, but uh, in additional news, Amari Cooper was forced from uh, the Raiders game this week against the Broncos and is in concussion protocol. How nervous are you about Oakland next week with potentially Amari Cooper? And we'll see what happens to Crabtree, but how nervous are you next week for what you'll see out of Oakland? I don't want to see anything out of Oakland at that point. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't want any part of Oakland's offense right now, to be completely honest. Well, Marshawn Lynch did surprise. I had him as, as a borderline sit, considering he was going up against Denver. But he, he played okay. He does get a touchdown, gets some yardage. Um, but moving on, Greg Olson aggravated his foot injury, left the game early. He was on a snap count to of course begin he with. He was, yeah, of course he did. Uh, I started him in uh, one of my leagues. So did I. One catch, 10 yards. Um, but that was still better than what I had on the bench in Cameron Brait. Yes. We got one catch for six yards. <laughs> so uh, a little bit of an update from the Greg Olson injury. Uh, he talked to the reporters afterwards. It was more of a cautionary leaving of the game in that they're not wanting to re-aggravate it and have him out more long-term. So there's still a likelihood that he plays next week, but um, it's still something that, that probably hurt you this week in terms of production. As a lot of us widely said, go start Greg Olson, uh, but he was on a snap count this week. I expect more next week should he play. Um, but once again, they're going to continue to watch that ankle uh, moving forward. And so another piece to highlight, I know we don't cover defenses too much, but Falcons cornerback Desmond Trufant suffered a concussion in the game against 
the Bucks today. How much do you think this affects Atlantis moving forward without their star corner? They've been solid against the pass this year, but with Trufant now potentially out next week, how concerned are you? Because a lot of people had Atlanta as a streamable defense this week. Is that something to continue to do next week? Well, let me – who do they actually have next week? So that, I mean, that'll – pull that up. While you're doing that, I do want to read a, another comment that came in. They've got, they've got Minnesota next week. Ooh, I wouldn't – I wouldn't uh, – I wouldn't play – I would not play Atlanta's defense against, uh, against Minnesota next week. Uh, a comment comes in from Big Vic 300 says, thanks to you for your professional knowledge. I won this week. Can't thank you enough. You're the best. Uh, thank we you. appreciate that. Um, another question comes in is, how do you feel about Crowder going forward? Do you see this type of production out of him going forward? Ryan, I'll let you yes. handle that first. Yes, because they have no one else to throw to. I mean, yeah, Josh Doxson has, has been okay, but he has been too inconsistent. At this point, the, the one person that he has who managed to remain healthy and, and that uh, Cousins has the most rapport with is Jamison Crowder. So at this point, he is my favorite, especially for PPR leagues, in terms of, uh, in terms of putting up the production. Yeah, he is by far the, the receiver to own in Washington or the pass catcher, however you want to classify that. Vernon Davis, goose egg. Reed didn't play. Josh Doxson, outside of the touchdown, only two catches for 28 yards. It is the Jamison Crowder show right now. Uh, and, and I would expect him to be a, a solid starter, wide receiver, two flex option, depending on your depth of your roster. But I like Jameson Crowder moving forward. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, and so um, we'll move on into the Kings and Stings of the week. We'll start at the quarterback position. Uh, and – to start it off, Ben Roethlisberger in the Sunday night game tore apart the Packers' defense with 351 yards and four touchdowns. I know a lot of people um, have been borderline on Ben Roethlisberger. I have not been on, as high as him, as high on him this season. But over the last two games, seven touchdowns, uh, a lot of that going uh, to to Antonio Brown. But what are your thoughts on? The Steelers, as we'll cover a lot of them in the Kings section this week, but what are your thoughts on the Steelers moving forward? Steelers are a dangerous offense now that they're finally getting going. Um, you know, Le'Veon Bell had been slow all season. Um, put up a decent, put up some decent production tonight. Um, I think it's it's just it's interesting to see how this is going to play out. Um, they've got Cincinnati, Baltimore. New England in the semifinals, which New England's been playing a better defense, but it's at home, so that you know that'll be interesting on how that goes. And then for um, championship week on on Christmas Day, they're playing uh, Houston. So um, it's they've got they've got an interesting schedule, a couple of tougher defenses, but again, with how explosive their playmakers are, I don't think I don't think that really matters. Yeah, what I would say is this, is I think the Steelers are the best team in the AFC. Uh, they've got a stronger defense than the, the, than the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots played 
the Miami Dolphins, as dangerous as they are, in air quotes. Um, but I, from what I saw today, take it with a grain of salt, and that the, the Packers' defense uh, is very banked up. But if the Steelers can continue to produce like they have the last two weeks, I don't think the Patriots can stop them and the Patriots would have to get into a shootout type game. And from what I have seen of the Steelers over the last two weeks, I will take Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell as the differentiators over what the Patriots have. Although they do have the GOAT on their side and it's hard to bet against the GOAT in the playoffs. True. Uh, but but that that matchup, Patriots and Steelers, it's at Heinz Field, um, will, I think, determine who will play the home game in the AFC Championship between the Patriots and the Steelers. Most likely. Um, and so moving on, Phillip Rivers, 434 yards passing and three touchdowns against the Cowboys. Love seeing the Cowboys lose on Thanksgiving, personally. Um, but... How impressed have you been over the last couple of weeks with the Chargers and how they're moving? And I think right now they're only a game back of Kansas City, who I think may not even make the playoffs the way they're playing. Yeah, that's. I mean, there's, they're 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 a a, a joy. <laughs> Let's put it that way with the Chiefs. Yeah, with the Raiders, just you know, they're having now just having anemic offense. They've got. You know, Amari Cooper, who can't really do much. You've got Crabtree, who's getting who's probably going to get suspended. The Broncos have done nothing, and so all the Chargers have to do is go up against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs' offense has gone completely anemic. They've lost three in a row, while the Chargers have won <coughs> Andy two. <Reed. coughs> Andy Reid. While the Chargers have won two in a row. So, um, yeah, it's definitely looking it's definitely looking very interesting for that AFC West. The Chargers very well could do it. You know, just with how they've been playing lately. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, the winner of that Week 14 matchup as the Chargers play the Chiefs uh, December 16th is going to be a very, very good game to watch. And I think the winner of that game could be the division winner. Um, with and, and the Chargers have a very easy schedule the rest of the way. They play the Browns next week. The Redskins are tough, but the way the defense is playing, it's playing very, very well. Then they play the Chiefs, the Jets, and the Raiders. All five of those are very winnable games. Uh, in fact, I would be shocked if they don't win. I'll be completely shocked if they don't win three of those games. Uh, but I believe they can win four of those five and, and have a good position going into the playoffs and maybe even be the division winners. At what, nine and seven? Yeah, because the Chiefs are just horrible right now. But. <laughs> Um, uh, as, as much as ha- I, I should say this, how far have we fallen when in week three or four people were talking about, um, the AFC West being the best division of football about that? Yeah, that was a long time ago. That was years ago in fantasy football terms, but, uh, we'll move on case Keenum, 282 passing yards, two touchdowns. Uh, is continuing to prove himself not only as the the best starter on his team, but a very viable fantasy football option moving forward. I would put him uh, as a starting quarterback, unless you've got like a Tom Brady or a uh, maybe a Phillip Rivers, 
but a Drew Brees, a Russell Wilson, other than maybe a top five, I would consider Case Keenum a starter the rest of the way because he's got a great defense behind him, great weapons. He's using Thielen very, very well. Um, do you have any concerns about Case Keenum moving forward? No, I may, I may, you know, in in the leagues that I have a, a spot to burn, I may, I may look to pick him up because I know he's he's still available in a lot of leagues. Yes, he is widely available in uh, three of the four leagues that I am in, but we won't get too far into that. We'll talk about waivers next week or or, or next episode. Sorry, tomorrow. On the Sting side, Dak Prescott has been a thorn in every fantasy owner's side over the last three weeks. Since Ezekiel Elliott has left and started serving his suspension, Dak Prescott has been a sting, the top sting for the last three weeks with 179 passing yards and two interceptions. How nervous are you moving forward with Dallas not having Ezekiel Elliott? Uh, it poses a lot of issues because without having a solid run game to take a little bit of pressure off of Dak Prescott, I just don't think that – I'm not saying that Prescott's not talented. Don't get me wrong. He is. I just think without the running game to um, to counterbalance and to create a little um, inconsistency in the offense yeah. uh, and, and, the, and the, the looks that they're giving – they're, you know, Prescott's going to be faced with a whole bunch of, of, uh, of, you know, back coverages to, to get, you know, to, to, you know, keep the incomplete passes. I don't think that Prescott has, has the weapons around him other than Des Bryant, and even Des Bryant hasn't been great this year, um, to, to be able to get the job done without a running game. Yeah, I would say that 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 Dak Prescott is no Russell Wilson. And without a running game, Dak Prescott needs more help. I mean, he did go 20 of 27, but not a lot of stuff downfield. Two interceptions really hurts. And not having that, that, uh, that running game really, really hurts. Uh, the, the second star or the second sting of the week is Eli Manning, 113 passing yards and one interception. We'll talk about some other players, but how – there was talk earlier in the season about them switching at quarterback and going to a backup. After this performance, how likely do you think that is? Or do they just continue to roll with Eli Manning, knowing that he's really their best quarterback, even though they're done for the season? Uh, they really don't have much of a choice, I think, but to stick with Eli. Here's the thing. Eli's not great. I mean, but they've lost their top – they don't have their top three – receiving top two receiving options um they don't have so they didn't have their number one their number two their number four wide receiver and so everything's been on their number three wide receiver and their rookie tight end to in terms of receiving the ball they don't have the best offensive line for run blocking so what in the world is eli manning supposed to do if you give him an offensive line that can actually block um, a, a solid run game. I think the Eli Manning and even just one or even just one, maybe two weapons to receive. Um, I think that he can do well enough 
to get a team into the playoffs. Then once you get in the playoffs, you know, who knows what can happen? I mean, just look, he's won two Super Bowls just getting into the playoffs. By crawling his way into the playoffs. Yeah, moving, moving on to the next one, Marcus Mariota on the sting list again, 184 passing yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. He's getting a little careless with the ball as of late. We've talked about him having a favorable schedule down the stretch, but with how he produced this week against uh, – let me double-check who they played this week. Tennessee played – where'd my matchup – they played Indianapolis, who has had a weak defense. They did win, but he's not doing a very good job of protecting the ball. They're 7-4. and four. They will make the playoffs. They will win their division. How nervous are you? They play Houston next week. It's been one of the worst passing defenses. Is he still a must-start, or do you look at potentially going somewhere else, maybe if a Case Keenum's available? Uh, um, I think you look to go somewhere else. I just – he's not a must-start. He's one of those he's, – he's in that streamer category now, to be completely honest. Just you've got to go with the guy that you think is going to get the job done, and I just don't know that he can get the job done. Yeah, I have both Marcus Mariota and Phillip Rivers in one league, and I will probably look to start Phillip Rivers next week as opposed to Marcus Mariota, even though Houston is a very favorable matchup. Still have to to look at some things before making that decision. But on to the running back kings of the week. Alvin Kamara gets 188 total yards, six catches, two touchdowns. We talked about him at the beginning of the season uh, being able to, to take the starting role and the starting position away from Mark Ingram. This was the first week in the last couple of weeks that Mark Ingram struggled, almost gets into the Stings category. But do you see Alvin Kamara becoming more of the lead back there at New Orleans, or was this just a one-off game? I think for now it's just a one-off game until it actually becomes a trend. Yeah. Then then we start looking around. But I think for, for right now, uh, you know, really, I just think it was a it was a game where, um, you know, uh, Kamara was able to get the job done, so they they took the hot hand. Yeah, Mark Ingram had fourteen touches. No, sorry, thirteen touches, and Alvin Kamara had eleven touches. So they still split the workload. Alvin Kamara had a little bit more of the explosive plays, which is why which is where there's the difference. Uh, moving on to the running back. Two of the week, the the two-star running back king, was Jamal Williams with 135 total yards, four catches, two touchdowns. He is now the the lead back, obviously, with the injuries that there are there uh, for the Packers. Even with the potential of Ty Montgomery coming back, I believe Jamal Williams has solidified his case against a solid defense that he is the go-to moving forward, and I am very nervous for anyone owning Ty Montgomery. Yeah, I think that I, I, you know, I think that they've got uh, what they need in Jamal Williams, and then um, did you did you sorry did you mention um, Aaron Jones on whether or not he was going to be back? I I did not. He's he's still out for the rest of the regular season with one more game to go in in the fantasy regular season. He's a playoff play, but I'm very nervous considering what Jamal Williams has done this week. Yeah. Uh, I think Jamal Williams is the guy to go the rest of the way. 
at least for the next two weeks. Yeah, at least for the next two weeks. I mean, Aaron Jones is the is the better player in my opinion, and he proved that yeah. over the last few uh, over the last few uh, his last few games before he got injured. So, um, so yeah. Coming in as the three-star king, or the, the one-star king, sorry, coming in third place, is Le'Veon Bell with 183 total yards and 12 catches. He does not find the end zone this week, but still finds a way to get onto the king's list. Uh, I know a lot of people that got absolutely hammered. Uh, other people have chosen other words um, by the Pittsburgh Steelers tonight in fantasy football. I was able to to dodge a huge bullet in Antonio Brown not scoring enough points to beat me. But um, I got see, I was on the other. I got just enough points for Antonio Brown to sneak me ahead of the other guy, just by enough points so that when Chris Boswell kicked that last minute field that last second field goal for Pittsburgh to win, I was still up by two points to win. Yeah, one, the point I'll say about uh, Le'Veon Bell is he's now in full season form. He, he is going into this week was the number two running back in fantasy football ahead of Kareem Hunt. I think he is the go-to and the rest of the way. Look for huge production from Le'Veon Bell once again. As the Steelers have things cooking right now, I would obviously not sit Bell, Roethlisberger, or Brown but I would be very excited about any game moving forward and excited about having them on my rosters. Yep, I have to agree. Uh, those who were going to be on the Kings list before uh, the Sunday night game, Joe Mixon, 165 total yards, three catches, one TD. And I had Huge him on the bench. Huge game for him. I know you had him on the bench. Um, <laughs> and it almost cost me. And it almost cost you. Um a, a good sign for Joe Mixon owners. Tevin Coleman also had 97 rushing yards and two touchdowns, no catches from a PPR standpoint. But going over to the running back stings category, and this one hurts the most because of how many times I told people to continue to, to hold and to buy on Kareem Hunt. 12 touches, 26 total yards in most fantasy scoring options. That's about two points, two to three points. What I want to talk about really quickly, and I don't want to get too into it because we've already talked about how much Andy Reid is, is not utilizing Kareem Hunt, but how worried should fantasy owners be about his workload? Not necessarily his production. He's not getting enough workload right now in order to produce, in my opinion, because I think that, that Hunt needs the workload of like what – Le'Veon Bell is getting in order to produce that. He needs 20 carries. He needs to be involved in the passing game, about six or seven passes. So he should be getting 25 touches, not 13. I'd have well, to agree. Sorry. I'd have to agree with you there. I think that, that Kareem Hunt isn't getting the work. And the Kareem Hunt is a is the full meal deal. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. The problem is that because they've been getting behind enough, it's forced them to go into passing situations, and they apparent for some reason they want Charkandrick West in there in the in in passing downs, and so well, that's they, where they're going that they way. They had Akeem Hunt in there today for a couple of plays, and I don't think he should see the field personally with with the talent that you have there in Kareem Hunt. But uh, moving on to the two-star sting, Jordan Howard, nine touches, 19 total yards. Once again, low-touch numbers from him. 
How concerned are you moving forward the rest of the way with Jordan Howard? Well, the problem with Jordan Howard is he plays for a crappy team. There's, the, I mean, he's got, he's got uh, Trubisky as his quarterback, which you know, I'm. It's not that I'm down, down, down on Trubisky, but they won a game when he threw seven passes for three, like fifty yards or something like that. Only completed like three or four, um, and so because of they also don't really. I mean, their their number one wide receiver is Dontrell Inman. You know, they're yeah. they're not threatening in the pass games, so teams are stacking the box against Jordan Howard. And while he faced a lot of that last year, I mean, at this point, I think that they've maybe figured some things out. Um, they they have even less in terms. I mean, last year at least they had Alshon Jeffrey for what can be said about Alshon Jeffrey as a wide receiver to take a little bit of the pressure off. They just don't have that this year, and so Jordan Howard is kind of stuck. Yeah, I would look for a nice bounce-back game against the 49ers next week. But this may – I mean, this this output coming from a running back one in the high draft stock you had could have potentially cost you the playoffs. Um, moving on to our final sting of the week, Jay Ajayi, six total touches, 33 total yards. That running back by committee, a lot of Jay Ajayi owners were excited at the move and the prospect of going to Philadelphia. But right now, he's just not getting involved enough. I think Philadelphia is spreading the ball around everybody. Uh, So unless your name is Zach Ertz, you won't get consistent touches slash production. It'll be kind of a I'm putting him here and hoping kind of scenario for all Eagles players. Outside of Carson Wentz, of course. Here's what you need to do. Make sure every week, Justin showed this to me, make sure every week you go to see who Matthew Berry says is the start <laughs> of the week, who he thinks is the most talented person on each team, and sit them. Yeah. Because I played Ajayi this week. I was back and forth between Ajayi and Mixon, and I finally went with Ajayi. And after the games had started and Mixon had already you know, had 20 points in the first half, Justin shows me you know, the thing about uh, – thing about Matthew Berry saying that that Jay Ajayi is the most talented running back on the Philadelphia Eagles. I was like, no wonder he's doing so bad. Matthew <laughs> Berry opened his big freaking trap. Yeah, we we uh, yeah, we, we don't speak ill of other uh, other podcasts. We, we just have found it ironic over the last couple of weeks that... Uh, last few years. Yeah, uh, the the surefire bet for Matthew Berry has, has more often than not struggled put it that way not <laughs> sure been horrible but it has been more of the bust so it's it's almost like the um the grim reaper picking you to be very very good <laughs> kind of a thing but uh, also for net struggles this week alfred morris struggles this week mckinnon darkwa and mark ingram all have bad weeks uh were quote-unquote honorable mentions for the stings list moving on to the wide receiver kings of the week number one julio jones in the scoring system that i'm in that we're doing this off of, he scores 50 points. That's ESPN non-fractional PPR scoring. 253 yards, two touchdowns, and 12 catches. This is the best performance from any fantasy football player in any league so far this season. The question, considering that Julio Jones had one touchdown going into this week and now has three, is this repeatable or is this the massive outlier or is this something that we should look to see 
more explosiveness from Julio Jones moving forward. I think they just need to get him the ball more, period. Uh, I mean, here it's the 12 catches for 253 yards. It means they were actually targeting him. Um, although one of those touchdowns came on a 51-yard pass from Mohamed Sanu. Yeah. So, um, you know, they – they just need to get him involved more. And look what happens when you get him involved more. Not only does he score more touchdowns, does he get more yards? Do they see more production there? It opened up things for Tevin Coleman to get 97 yards and two TDs. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I will say is I think this is a little bit more of an outlier, not just because of the explosiveness there, but they played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have been struggling on defense all year. They've had some good games but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not been as good as they should have been this year. And I'm taking this output with a grain of salt. Obviously, no one has had this kind of production so far this season. Antonio Brown is having a couple of games back-to-back -back like this. But I need to see Julio in the, the Kings category again before – I really have him as that wide receiver one. He's a, a tremendous talent. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Julio Jones is not a wide receiver one. But before the last two weeks, it's it hasn't been – I mean, most Julio Jones owners have not been excited about his output this season. Now, I hope he can continue to put it together. I like Julio Jones. Um, but that's what I'll say about that. Moving on to the number two, Antonio Brown. Ten catches, 169 yards, and two touchdowns was the Woo! number one wide receiver coming into today and now just continues to stretch it out further. Uh, we've talked about the Steelers and, and how they'll play the rest of the way. They do have the Patriots coming up, but I really like any Steelers offensive player moving forward that has a B in their name. <laughs> so basically that would be big Ben, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, here's one question I'll ask you. Um, with Juju out, or Tavius Bryant, a little bit better of a game, uh, let me pull it up. He had uh, four catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Do you think Martavis is now the two, or is Juju proven enough even to be able to miss a game and still come in and be the number two? I think Juju gets the job back once he's back. I think that they use Martavis um, where they needed to this week, but Juju is the number two. Yeah, I, I would say the same, um, not only because I have Juju and traded for Juju, but um, Martavis has had too much drama so far this season to where I continue to believe that Juju is the number two coming back. Um, but I'm a little nervous at any receiver other than Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell moving forward because they're getting such uh, good targets. They're, they're getting good production. Ben Roethlisberger is always – best when able to best utilize both Brown uh, both Brown and Bell. So uh, the tricky thing is, and they showed it tonight, is that you can't cover both. You either bring a safety down to guard in the box and you leave one-on-one -on -one matchup on the outside with Antonio Brown, or you leave your safeties up to try and help for coverage on both sides, and then you leave the box exposed for Le'Veon Bell. So if the Steelers can continue to play like they're playing, once again, uh, good things are coming forward. Coming in at number three, Keenan Allen, 11 catches, 172 yards, and one touchdown. How excited are you as a Keenan Allen owner over what you've seen over the last two weeks 
becoming that heavy targeted receiver that he's always been now getting things in stride with Philip Rivers moving forward. It's about freaking time. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, sure, uh, I'm sure a lot of Keenan Allen, uh, a lot of Keenan Allen uh, owners are saying that. I know that you traded him just before he did this. Yes, I traded for Kamara and Juju and, and, and gave away Keenan Allen with a bunch of other players, but it's a little annoying. You still got I, the better, you still got the better still, end of the deal. Yeah, I still got the better end of the deal. Um, you got a number, then, yeah. You got a number. Was it the number four running back out of the out of the deal? Yes. So uh, I would consider it an upgrade as long as if Hunt can pull it around. I, I think I have a championship um, team. Uh, moving on, the honorable mention before tonight's game uh, with Antonio Brown sneaking in there was Robbie Anderson, six catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown. He eclipses his his normal four catch game. Gets six catches. Tons of yards and a touchdown. Obviously, he is an automatic start moving forward. Getting over to the Sting side, we already covered. We already covered. Uh, Michael Crabtree with zero points, ejection, might face further suspension. Coming in at number two, T.Y. Hilton once again lays an egg. He's either a bust big or boom big. Two catches, 15 yards. Emmanuel Sanders and Doug Baldwin tie for third place on the Sting side. Emmanuel Sanders, three catches, 12 yards. Doug Baldwin, two catches, 25 yards. Um, obviously, you'd be more concerned about Emmanuel Sanders moving forward and the ever-rotating merry-go-round of quarterbacks at Denver. I think Doug Baldwin with Seattle up big for most of that game against San Francisco, they didn't really need to rely on Doug Baldwin, so I think that's an outlier. Manuel Sanders may show up on this list again if they continue to rotate through quarterbacks in Denver. I'd have to agree with you there. I think that, again, Baldwin, when it comes down to crunch time, Baldwin's going to be the wide receiver who's trusted. And so I think that uh, I think that, you know, if in closer games against better opponents, um, Baldwin, Baldwin will have a, a better showing. Uh, all right, uh, Devontae Parker, Danny Amendola, Larry Fitzgerald, Des Bryant, and Golden Tate all also have bad games. Very, very low production from them this week. Moving on to the tight end, Kings side, Zach Ertz uh, has been here before. I think he'll continue to be on the Kings list moving forward as long as Philadelphia continues to do what they're doing. Ten catches, 103 yards, one touchdown, the most consistent player uh, right now from the Eagles is Zach Ertz um, with his production constantly being here as the top tight end of the week. Um, moving on to number two, Rob Gronkowski, five catches, 82 yards and a touchdown. And then Kyle Rudolph, four catches, 63 yards and two touchdowns coming in at number three. Of the three, which do you like the rest of season? I mean, you can't really go wrong with Ertz or Gronkowski, but with Kyle Rudolph having a two-touchdown game, do you like his options uh, kind of going the rest of the way? Of the three, who would you pick? Still Zach Ertz because Zach Ertz yep. is the only one that gets the consistent um, the consistent work. Rob Gronkowski is always an injury is always an injury uh, risk risk. Uh, but I mean, he does have Tom Brady throwing to him, and when they get in the red zone, Tom Brady actually does throw to his best target, being Rob Gronkowski. Um, Kyle Rudolph. The thing about Kyle Rudolph is there are so many options for them to throw to, especially in the red zone. 
uh, in Minnesota. Um, plus, they have a pretty solid running game. Not great, but pretty solid. So, I mean, there's just so much in Minnesota to spread the ball around. I think it's going to be – he'll be pretty consistent, but in terms of the touchdown production, I don't think it's something you can count on necessarily every week. Yeah, I would say Ertz as well because volume is there. Correct. He, he got 10 catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Gronkowski will get touchdowns, but so far this year has not had a ton of big yardage games. Kyle Rudolph isn't getting target volume, so he may have had two touchdowns this week, but he's laid some eggs so far this year and isn't really catching the ball more than five or six times in a game. So I'm not excited about his upside as much as I am about Ertz. Correct. Uh, and then moving on to the tight end stings, Vernon Davis, one target, no catches, which really hurts. Jared Cook, one catch, one yard. Greg Olson, one catch, 10 yards. And then Evan Ingram, three catches, 18 yards. Which one of those four hurts the most? Uh, you missed one. Who did I miss? Cameron Brait, one catch for six yards, less than Greg Olson. And Greg Olson went out early with an injury. We talked about him being droppable, which is why I didn't add him on the list. Okay. The list that I put together is players that you started – Okay. And hurt. And here's the thing with Cam and just a quick note about Cameron Brait. As long as Jameis Winston is the quarterback, Cameron Brait is a tight is a possible tight end one. Yes. As long as Winston is there. As long as Fitz is there, well then just you you can't count on him because Fitz is a is a is just gonna fling the ball all over the place, so you're more likely to go with one of the uh, one of the wide receivers. Um so in terms of these, I mean Vernon Davis having one target and no catches in a game where did Jordan Reed even play? No. So that's a major concern. Um, although it didn't help that the Giants defense did a good job of being all over Kirk Cousins' butt in that game. Um, Cousins did not have a great game, threw a pick six, threw two touchdowns, but he also threw a third one to the wrong team yes. um, and got sacked like crazy. So um, I never, I honestly never expect much out of Jared Cook, to be completely honest. And so. I think the biggest disappointment was Vernon Davis. Yeah, I would say so as well, considering that Kirk Cousins has spread the ball out enough. He's gone to his top two receivers. Vernon Davis has been a very, very solid, solid backup when Jordan Reed is out. Uh, Vernon Davis probably hurts the more, hurts the most because it's a zero. But Evan Ingram in back-to-back -back weeks has done very, very poorly. He is a rookie. He will have some slumps. But considering he was the tight end five going into this week and puts up four, probably hurt a lot of people who were trying to either make playoff runs or position themselves in the playoffs. So I would go – I would probably say Evan Ingram hurts more because he was your go-to and you were probably expecting a little bit more. Someone who started Vernon Davis was probably not – uh, expecting more than eight or nine points with the upside of a touchdown. Evan Ingram owners were expecting 12, 13, 14 points, depending on scoring, uh, as, your, uh, as your point production from him. So I would say Evan Ingram hurt more. And so we'll move on to cover the Monday night matchup in uh, kind of a last-ditch effort to see what can save your week if you are still down. <laughs> in in the Houston Baltimore Ravens game, it's two teams that are at or below 500 
I'm not excited about either quarterback. I don't think anyone should be starting either quarterback. No. Um, when it comes to running backs, what should we look to expect for out of this game? In terms of the running backs? Yeah. Well, all right. So with the Houston, with Houston having lost Foreman, I think that uh, really it's, it's, it's all up to uh, Miller, to be completely honest. Um, and he's been getting, he has been getting a lot of work. Um, let me actually, let me actually pull him up. Uh, so he's, yeah, he's been getting, you know, 22 carries, 11 carries, 10, 21. So he, I mean, he's been getting steady, consistent work, even with, um, even with the, uh, Foreman playing well, he has a tough matchup against Baltimore's defense. Baltimore's defense has been playing very well, especially against the run. So I, it's not a it's not a great matchup for Miller, but I think that he is of of any of the options for running back in this game, he's the top one. Yeah. I would say Danny Woodhead would be the top one uh because he's not going to be on a snap count this week. Once again, the Houston, Texans, the Houston Texans are not good against the pass. I'm not expecting Danny Woodhead to be involved in the running game hardly at all. That's Alex Collins' duty. Uh, but if, if I were to pick a running back on either side to beat their projection, my money would be on Danny Woodhead and Alex Collins more than Lamar Miller because the Baltimore Ravens are better against the run the Houston Texans are great against the run, which is why I'm very, very nervous about Alex Collins. And I like the upside with Danny Woodhead no longer being on a snap count. And so I like Woodhead. You liked Miller. Um, moving on to the wide receivers, we have DeAndre Hopkins, probably the only one who's probably startable on the Houston side. Jeremy Macklin, Mike Wallace over on the Baltimore side. Of these three, who are you expecting to potentially save your week because I don't know anybody who's starting Ellington or Jalen Strong or Chris Moore. I'm starting Bruce Ellington in one league. Are um, you down or are you ahead? I'm down. And the only reason I'm starting Bruce Ellington is because he has been productive in the absence of Fuller. Once Fuller comes back, Ellington's not startable at all. Yes. But as long as, as, long as uh, Fuller is gone and out... Ellington, I think Ellington is a solid play. He's not great. I mean, I'm going to lose this week in the in the league that I have him starting, just because every, you know all the rest of my team you know decided to poop the bed. Um, so I think that he's he's usable um, if you're just looking you know a last ditch. You need to pick someone up to to play. Um, you know, so the, I I think he's he's started. He's not you know my favorite by any stretch. But it, he he is playable. Um, I don't really like any of the other options either. Yeah, I would have to go with DeAndre Hopkins just because of the target share. Well, DeAndre uh, Hopkins is going to be the is going to be the number one. I mean, well, yeah, but in I'm terms pushing of him beating, off. In, in terms of beating projection, um, whether that be because because we're talking savior week, so you're needing more than projection. Well, the only the only person you can really think that might do that is going to be DeAndre Hopkins, and you're starting him anyways. Yeah, you're starting him anyways. Um, Bruce Ellington could save you if something were to happen. Or he gets a touchdown. Flex option available. 
Um, at the tight end spot, between Benjamin Watson and C.J. Fedorowicz, I like Benjamin Watson in this game. As much as we talked about C.J. Fedorowicz last year, um, his concussion issues led him to being sat out for a long time. Now that he's back in full, I think he'll get some, some, some good yardage. But once again, the Houston defense is what I'm playing against. So I like Benjamin Watson of the two tight ends. If you, if you needed a tight end this week and you waited this long to play Fedorowicz or Watson, I like Watson better. I would agree with you there. I think Watson, Watson is the, is the better choice. Fedorowicz, I don't think, has really gotten integrated into the offense since since he's gotten back. So, Yes. And so, once again, thank you guys for joining the podcast. With only a couple of days left in the drawing, be sure to head over to SkullKingFootball.com, the giveaway tab, in order to enter yourself into the drawings. Get those ratings and reviews out on iTunes. We will read all of them here. Once again, thank you for joining the Skull King Fantasy Football Podcast. Have a great week, guys. All right, we'll talk to you later. Hey, Skull King Nation. Thank you for listening to the Skull King Football Podcast. Did you like this episode? If so, be sure to go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube to subscribe. Also, please leave us a rating and reviews to let us know how we can better help you rule your leagues. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.